big difference between 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy is where Paul is writing this letter from. Okay? In uh, 1 Timothy, uh, Paul writes 1 Timothy probably, I don't know, anywhere from two to four years earlier than he writes 2 Timothy. But in 2 Timothy, Paul is in prison. This is the second time that Paul has been in prison. And the worst of the two. The first time that Paul was in prison, he was in prison for his faith, but he was like under house arrest. Okay? So that means he was like living in a place. He was like kind of like uh, our queen. Yeah? The last reigning monarch of Hawaii. Okay? He wasn't necessarily in a prison, but she was imprisoned in her own house. Okay? So the first time Paul was in prison, it wasn't like a prison cell. This time, Paul is actually in a cell in chains. Yeah? And different than the first time, Paul knows or has a a good sense that he's not going to get out. The first time Paul writes uh, his letters from prison, he uses phrases like, I'm going to see you soon. Continue to pray for me because your prayers will result in my deliverance. We don't find any of that type of language in this second letter. The second letter, Paul is a little bit older. He's been running the race a little bit longer. And he's kind of at the end of his time, not only in age, but in spirit, like in spirit, he's, he's feeling like God is telling him, you're not going to make it out this time, okay? So one of the things that we want to understand when we talk about God's word uh, is that this was actually a, these were written letters, yeah? Like all that we read here are actual events that happened and there's other things happening at the same time. So if you look in your history books to 60 to 66 AD, yeah, 60 years or so after they've switched from BC to AD, yeah, who's in rule right now? Who's like the, the power right now? Okay, one of the people in power is Nero. Okay, so Nero is, uh, has taken um, control and power of Rome, yeah, and uh, history tells us that there was this great fire that started in Rome. It burnt for like six nights, seven days, and a lot of people thought it was Nero's fault, like he actually lit the fire or was conspiring to, to light the fire uh, for various reasons. So because accusations about what he did started arising, he turned to this growing sect of people called the Christians. See, Christianity wasn't an accepted religion there. Christianity was this group of people that a lot of people didn't like. They never did anything really wrong, but the Romans knew that they were a little odd, and they knew that the Jews 
hated him. And so there was growing persecution for the Christians, and there was a growing hatred for Christians. Sound familiar? Okay? Very familiar. So Nero's in power. He starts getting accused for this fire that burnt much of, like a large portion of Rome down. And he turns to this group that people didn't like already. And so it didn't take much for the Christians to start getting the bad rap for doing this to Rome. The burning, yeah? So the Christians start getting persecuted. Let me just read to you a portion of some of... uh, that you guys don't have. Anyway, maybe I have to um, shorten it for you guys. Anyway. Um, oh, no, I have it right here. Let me just read to you uh, uh, just a description of uh, some of the things that they, uh, some of the tools that they use to convince early believers not to be believers or some of the tactics that they use to uh, punish the Christians for lighting this fire on their town. I think if they were the ones, like this doesn't make sense, okay? It doesn't make sense. Like this growing number of people, like they're the ones who actually like set the fire, set the town on fire. Like wouldn't you just imprison them, you know? But then they're like, they're not, they're not thinking civilized. Like it wasn't that, I mean, it was a civilized place, but there's ridiculous ways that they used to, to punish people who were lawbreakers, okay? But see, the, the Christians weren't just lawbreakers in the eyes of the world. Like, the world, like, hated them. Jewish community hated them. The Romans didn't understand them. And the Romans were, like, pretty brutal people altogether, okay? Like, just some crazy practices. I mean, how many of us have seen the movie Gladiator? You know, like, just, you know, it's like UFC, but people, instead of getting a bloody nose, they get their heads chopped off, and people scream and cheer, and then they pay money to go see it again. Okay? So let me just read to you a a little bit. Um, Those who were seized, who admitted their faith, fell into, they were convicted, yeah, of the crime of burning the city. And they were hated, yeah. They were like a hated human race. Though they weren't largely, but they were, they were hated. Um, they, were, they were killed by sport. They were killed by dogs, by having um, themselves uh, uh, wrapped in like animal clothing. Okay, so they would tie these people up and tie like, like, like a bear skin over them, you know, or like a lion skin over them, and then they would let them out into the arena, and then they would they would open up uh, wild dogs and animals on these on these people. 
Yeah, they used to burn people alive at the stake in the middle of, like not like in the deep valleys, like in the most public places. I mean, think about the crucifixion. Yeah, there's this one uh, story I heard of like hundreds of people, hundreds of Christians, not just one. Like Jesus was one of three, but Jesus was like the only believer amongst two other prisoners. When Nero came into power, he started persecuting the early church like none have ever had ever seen before. And there's stories of just lines. I mean, if, you, if it was on Maui, it would be like Kaumano Avenue in front of Kaumano Shopping Center, and you would see hundreds of crosses with hundreds of Christians on them just in agony waiting to die. See, different than Jesus, most who got crucified, they, they weren't beaten before. So the amount of time that they were on the cross was a lot longer. So when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't last on the cross all that long. Yeah, just within like hours, he went from alive to dead. Yeah, part because the sins of the world was on him, part because he had been flogged by stick and then flogged by whip. So, you know, like scripture says, he was so brutally beaten that you couldn't really tell who he was. But unlike Jesus, many of the early Christians who did get crucified weren't flogged, and so they spent hours, some with just their bottoms on, most with nothing on, in midst of like, not strangers, but people that they walked next to, that they lived next to, that they, they shopped next to, you know, like, like people who like would walk by them and be like, kind of humiliating, you know? People say that people on the cross, they, they didn't die from blood loss. They actually died from suffocation. Just unable to hold themselves up and unable to get more air in their oxygen. So we find Paul, not just in house arrest, but while he's writing Second Timothy, Paul is in sh- shackles. He's in chains. He's in prison like he hadn't been in prison before. And he really feels like he's not going to get out. And this is the context in which understand what is being said here. Okay, So we're just going to cover Second um, uh, Timothy chapter 1 tonight. And I want you guys just to hear the language from a man who's in chains. For no other reason except because he loved the Lord and he preached God's word. Crazy, yeah? I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but it's, it's nowhere different than what is happening right now. Like, you think about what is happening in the Mideast, okay? You guys know, like, Iraq, Afghanistan, Iran. In our minds, we think that's the home of the terrorists, right? Like Arabs, Muslims. In our minds, we think that's the home of like crazy, fanatic, extremist terrorists, right? How many of us agree? Yeah, many of us think that. But you got to think that in these areas is where majority of the Old Testament is, well, not majority, all of the Old Testament and New Testament was written. So some of the Christians that um, are being persecuted most 
of the Christians being persecuted in these areas, yeah, aren't Western Christians, like people from Europe and people from America that are flying in and being missionaries. The Christians that are being persecuted in the Mideast are generationally deep believers that have been born in Afghanistan, not just them, but their grandparents, their great-grandparents, their great-great-grandparents, their great-great-great-great-grandparents, you know? Like you're talking about like the first believers. So in this time, right, follow me, in this time where Nero starts persecuting the early Christians, what do they do? Boom, they scatter. So part of what we read, we're going to read in these next couple weeks is Paul is alone. When he was in prison the first time, people could come visit him. He would pray for people. He still would minister. He just couldn't leave. This time, he doesn't have any visitors. And he'll actually mention that in here, that he's in, people have scattered. Why? Because of fear for persecution. And I might do the same thing too. Like if, if we here on Maui, like people start dying for their faith, I won't ever forgive, uh, uh, I won't ever like give up my faith, but I might not live in my same house, you know? Like, I might actually try to protect my family. I might actually try to protect you guys. Like, we could actually still gather, but I may not gather on a Monday night with our lights on. You know what I mean? Paul is in prison. No other reason for loving Jesus. He's not a lawbreaker. He's actually a law keeper. How many of us feel like get mad when we get in trouble for something we didn't do? Yeah, like most of us, right? Like, bah, I never, bah, mom, you know, and you get frustrated and you still get in trouble for something that, you know, your younger sibling did or somebody else did. And, you know, you're just like, just getting crazy, you know? It's that type of scenario. Only thing, it's not mom that is punishing Paul. It's the law that's punishing Paul, and he's going to die. Paul ends up dying. Like, we don't get any more letters. I think there's 2 Timothy and Titus is what he, he writes at the end. I think Philemon, too. He writes during his second time in prison, but he never makes it out. Paul actually ends up dying for Uh, I'm not sure how they got the letters out, but he may have written them and then had somebody, I don't know, got them one of the guards to send it out or something like that. But three letters we get from him in the second time. Okay, And then we don't hear about Paul again. Paul becomes martyr just like everybody else. Yeah, A lot of those early Christians. And then we actually get that word in Acts Book of Acts, when they say witness, the root word for that word witness, there's a few different words, a Greek words for that word witness. The root word for witness when it's first introduced into the book of Acts, root word for that is martyr. Like, I'm going to be a witness for the Lord. Literally, what they're meaning is, I may and I am willing to die for my belief in Jesus. Okay? And we just kind of get introduced with that term when it comes to 
Acts. And as we get into Acts, we get the first martyr. Who's the first martyr of the new church? Stephen, yeah? Stephen's standing up. He says, I see God standing now. And the Jewish people just start soaking rocks at him. Yeah? Stephen becomes the first martyr. After Stephen just comes, you can read it. I think it's Acts like chapter 7 or something like that. Okay? All right. So that's the context, right? This is like his last words. And you got to feel it. Like he loves Timothy. Like this is almost like if I was in prison, I knew I wasn't getting out of prison. And not just prison in America. Like say I went back to the Philippines and I got locked up in prison. Like third world country type of prison. You know, like we were praying for Kenneth Bay for a long time. The guy, the preacher guy who was locked up in North Korea. Like that type of feeling. He might never get out kind of feeling. Praise God that we prayed and probably not just us, but he came out. Amen? 15 years he was supposed to be in prison. Brother man got out after two. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a couple other, two other brothers that was with him. Yeah? That actually got out at the same time. So you got to feel that type of, when we're reading it, like, you, you know, like the context helps. Like, what's happening? Nero is crazy, and he's in power, and he's taking out his rage and his error upon the most peaceful people of the land. Like, what do Christians do? Like, at that time, they, they weren't like a religion. They were just a people who loved the Lord. And what did Jesus teach? Love God and Love others. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. So what were the Christians doing then? Like they weren't causing riots and and raising havoc and stealing and throwing riots. I said riots already. Okay? Like like you got to feel like they're not protesters. But they were unashamed for what they believed in. And then they started being persecuted. Okay? Amen? Into that context into that storyline we read okay second timothy chapter one paul an apostle so this is his signature yeah so how do we know paul is the author well he started many of his letters with this type of introduction so he says paul an apostle of christ jesus you gotta think like this is like his last words you know the last letter he sends to Timothy, okay? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, and, and hear this language, my beloved child. Like, maybe even writing this letter in tears. Like, this letter is to Tim- Timothy. This is to you like my beloved child i mean it's almost like uncle john you know uncle john's like oh man my sons my daughters you know like he's like real loving and caring and uncle john actually really does pray for us and think about us a lot yeah so he says grace mercy peace from god the father and christ jesus our lord verse three says i thank god which is awesome where is paul he's in prison right What is the first thing that he says in this letter? I thank God. Shaka, that's amazing. Yeah. Paul's in prison, and he thinks his death is imminent. Like, it's going to happen. He hears what Nero is doing, and he's like, 
bruh, I'm next. Because at that time, Paul was probably the most popular Christian at the time. Like more people know about Paul then than anybody else. So if other people are dying for their faith and they're nobody's Christians, you know, they're like, you believe in Christian. I just, you know, you, like you believe in Jesus. You're a Christian. Yeah, I am. Boom. You're at the stake, but you're a nobody. Paul is like known, you know, he's a known figure. And if you're neural, you're going to kill the highest ranking Christian that you have. Paul, knowing these things, he says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you, Timothy, constantly in my prayers, night and day. I think night and day, and what? It probably was night and day. Paul was probably in prayer, when? All day and all night. He would sleep and then wake up, still in prison, and what would he do? Pray again. Verse 4, as I remember you, your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. How awesome is that sentence right there? He remembers Timothy. How does he remember Timothy? That maybe the last time they left, Timothy was crying because maybe Timothy knew that he would never see Paul again. Last letter to Timothy, and he says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. You know, like he's like, I want to see you guys. Like I want to see you again so my joy can come back. Verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your mother Lois and your mother, your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells also in you. Verse 6, for this reason I I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of whose hands? Paul's hands. Paul says, hey, remember that time when I prayed for you, when I laid my hands on you and released onto you God's anointing? Don't forget that. And we just read that last week in 1 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul reminds Timothy, yeah, to preach God's word, to be diligent in your life, in your speech, your conduct. Remember that? Yeah, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. That whole section, Paul's like, hey, remember the time when I laid, on, laid my hands on you and I prayed for you. How awesome is that? How many of us remember prayers like that? I've been prayed over a ton of times like that. I don't remember many of them. I remember a few of them, yeah. I remember the time where I was at Pukalani Naz and they were praying over me before I came up over here, yeah. That was like a God-anointed day, and I remember uh, the pastor then, he prayed 1 Timothy 4.12 over me. He's like, hey, I'm going to pray over that over you as I send you to your new location. Amen? Verse 7. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-control. Why is that, why is that meaningful? Because... Paul is thinking he's going to die. What is a feeling that you'll probably get? Probably be in fear, right? And Paul's like, 
Uh-uh. We didn't get a spirit of fear from our Lord. We got spirit of what? Power. Yeah? Of love and self-control. Like he's still in control. And this is a different type of self-control. This isn't a self-control in freedom where I'm not going to eat a lot. I'm not going to shop a lot. No, this isn't Western America. This is Paul is in prison and he's still having to control his flesh from maybe crying too much and getting too depressed. Like he's still bringing his self into subjection to the promises that God has. That I may die, but I'm still going to keep myself in check. That's a good thing for us to remember. Hey, sometimes our emotions and our bodies will long for things that are not healthy for us. But our spirits and our minds need to tell our bodies what it's supposed to be. Just because you feel junk doesn't mean you are junk. Amen? Like you, we have to stand on God's word to remind us, hey, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Even though we might feel like trash, we understand that our God doesn't make trash. Amen? If you guys can get that type of feeling, and even when that feeling dies, have the knowledge of that, you guys will... will I think experience a lot of consistency in your life where you understand that your identity, your love, your, your worth is from God and not from the things in this world. Amen? Okay, let's, let's continue. Verse 8, therefore, ah, this is good. This is good. Everybody, verse 8, you guys there? Do not be ashamed. Or how can we restate that? Yeah. Paul's like, hey, Timothy, be unashamed of the testimony about our Lord, okay? He's like, don't be ashamed of me being in prison, yeah? But share also in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We don't even understand that right now. Like, how many of us actually suffer in telling people about Jesus? None of us. Most of you guys are too scared to tell people about Jesus so you never actually get persecuted. Amen? Just say amen right now, okay? Because I was in high school once, and that was my story. I avoided all persecution. Why? Because I just didn't rep Jesus. Okay? Hey, hear the words of a dying man. I wish I would be able to write this. But the, what's the, oh man, what's the beauty of this letter? I'm not in prison. Imagine if this was my letter to you and I was in prison for my faith. And I'm like, hey, come on. I'm in chains. Why? Not because I broke the law, but because I love Jesus. Makana, would you live different if I was in prison for the chains? And I was like, Makana, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Like, Tell people about Jesus, even if you might live in chains also. You probably would hear that differently, you know? You would hear that differently if I was in chains and I was telling you, like, hey, come on, you got to rep the Lord in school. It's worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Paul's telling that to Timothy. And I'm telling that to you guys tonight. Like, it's worth it. All the things in this world, it's not worth it. What's the things that are worthy of our time and our lives and our effort? 
Jesus. Jesus, you might lose a whole lot of things because of the Lord. But we're going to gain more. Amen? We are going to gain more, not just in this life, but also in the next. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all those things. We can gain those things. But heaven, (laughs) heaven. Let's continue. Uh, Verse 9. I think there's only a couple more verses here. We're just going to go to verse 14. So let's read for me. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the sufferings of the gospel by the power of God. Verse 9. This God who saved us, he called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Verse 10, and which now has been manifested through the appearance of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light uh, through the gospel. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Okay? Verse 12, but I am unashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Verse 12. What word should replace whom? What is another word that we could put into that sentence? Yeah, so the question is, so the statement is, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. What else? No, instead of whom, yeah, Jesus, that's whom he believes in. But what other word can we put in place of whom? That also would make sense. But I know what I have believed. You guys get that? But I love that Paul doesn't put, I know what I have believed. You guys got to get this. Paul says, I know who. Why does that make a big difference? It's not just about the knowledge of knowing not just about going to church and serving God and not actually meeting him. Everything that Paul did drew him closer to God. And so he knew who God was and not what God was all about. You following me? And that's where I want to be. That's where I want all of us to be. Not to just be people who intellectually know God, but to know Him personally and intimately and to know the things that allow His heart to like get excited. 
Because it's not enough just for us to intellectually know God. Like, why doesn't Paul abandon his faith? Because it's not just intellectually known. Not just intellectually known. Actually knows God. A message from prison. A man who served the Lord and loved the Lord. Following me? Let's, can we spend some time just reading 2 Timothy on our own? Read it with this idea like it was written from prison from a guy who got out of prison. As close as I know, the next time he actually left his prison cell was when he was executed. And this is like the last words of like a man who loved the Lord and he served the Lord up until he died. No. My challenge to you is know about God. It's not just what we know about God, but whom we know. And that makes all the difference because it doesn't matter if you screw up. Why? Because you know God and you know what God is about. He's about forgiveness. He's about love, but he's also about what? Others, you know? Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Amen? Be ashamed about Jesus. Let's make Jesus known. Let's know Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks so much for tonight. God, I just pray your spirit upon each person here that you would give them further understanding about Paul in this last letter. Pray that it would change our lives now because the truth is we're not under persecution and we're not in prison. I pray like we would use these things knowledge that we find in this letter, God, to apply, like we are Timothy, in freedom, outside of prison, outside of chains, just dedicated, God, to the things that you've called us to. So, God, for tonight, thanks, God, for meeting with us. I pray that lives would change, God, because of your word. Love you, God, Jesus.